Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. How are y'all tonight? I think he's going to turn the lights up a little bit for me too. Because I may go to sleep. I'm just kidding. I'm super excited about tonight. Uh, you can see it on the screen here. We're going to go into history. I want to be very specific what I mean tonight. And I mean your personal history with Jesus. So what I really want to dive into tonight is your story with Jesus. What's your breakthrough? What's your encounters with him should be producing out of our hearts, out of our spirits, out of our lives. Uh, how they should change our perspective. How we view things. How we operate. How we speak. How we declare. How we pray. So tonight, um, I'll share a little bit with you of um, where I'm coming from out of this. This is something I've been buried in for a little while now. And uh, it all started um, a little while back, actually right back there by the sound room window. We were in prayer over here on a Monday night. And me and my wife had just been going through some things for an extended period of time. And I was just, uh, I, I provoked myself. I didn't have the feelings and emotions supporting my spiritual walk. So I provoked myself. And by provoking myself, I mean I begin to revisit everything I know about God. Everything I've heard Him speak into my life. Every testimony. And then I went back to my salvation and who I was pre-Jesus. And then I begin to declare He's good because I've seen Him. And then in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, the kingdom of God belonged to those who can remember. What are we after? Thy kingdom come. What is our greatest desire? Your kingdom. How do I step into the kingdom? I've got to remember. So that's what we're going to go into tonight. History with Jesus. So tonight, I'm going to read a couple scriptures, then I'll pray. But we're going to go on a journey from Mark chapter 4 through Mark chapter 8. I'm not going to read all the verses. We're just really going to dive in to show you what's happening from 4 to 8 and what I want to deal with tonight. So just write it down if you're taking notes. Put it in your uh, phone and just go back and read these four chapters. See what happens. See how they all unfold and in the timeline. But uh, first off, I want to read Mark chapter 6 verse 50 through 52. Uh, I didn't get Josh to put these on the screens for a very specific reason. I need you to go there. If you have the ability, I need you to go there. Because after I'm gone, after we quit talking about this message, you have to understand what God wants to impart tonight. And you got to have the scriptures for it, okay? So Mark chapter 6, 50 through 52. I'm reading now the New American Standard, so it's going to look a lot like the King James Version, but a little different. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Little pre-context to this scripture. This is the story of the disciples in the boat. They're trying to row across where Jesus sends them to. Storm and wind starts blowing. It's really frustrating. And Jesus actually sees them struggling, takes off to walk across the water. And when he does, he catches Peter's attention. And when he catches their attention, this is where we find ourselves in the story. Take courage. They recognize him. But immediately he spoke to them. He sensed their fear. Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Did you know, uh, uh, do not fear the, the uh, 
Wow, that word just totally slipped my mind. The commandment to not fear is the most stated phrase in the New Testament. It's like, I think it's 365 times it says, do not fear in the New Testament. Jesus knew what we would have trouble with. It is I, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished. Say astonished. For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. Everybody say insight. I want you to remember that. They were astonished, but they had not gained any insight from what happened with the loaves. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you that we all in this room, if we are believers, we have a history with you. If we were born again two minutes ago, I have a history with you. I thank you, Father, that you're wanting to enlighten us to the walk with you, that we may view the world around us through the lens of who we know you to be. We thank you for it. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Have your way. Amen. Okay, so I want us to look from Mark chapter 4 to Mark chapter 8. Everything that unfolds from 4 to 8 and where Jesus is dealing with the disciples. Okay, in Mark chapter 4, we see Jesus calms the storm. This is the first storm he calms. In this storm that Jesus is actually asleep in the front of the boat when they go to cross over. And when they go to cross over, I want you to look at something that Jesus is taking a nap. Say nap, just because I love naps. So Jesus is taking a nap in the front of the boat. Storm begins to hit, and it actually says the boat begins to fill up with water. But it says Jesus was asleep in the stern. So to be in the boat, and the boat begin to fill up with water, he was taking a nap where water was present. In this, the disciples are above on the top of the ship. Boat, whatever you want to call it. And as the storm begins to rage, they begin to panic. And out of that same story he was talking about, out of their panic, they rush down and wake Jesus up and enlighten him to the storm. They were all in the same storm, all of the same God, but two totally different reactions. And Jesus comes atop and says, Peace, be still. And the storm calms. But I want you to recognize something. He said, Peace, period, in the King James. Peace, be still. And I read this scripture and he kept repeating that phrase to me. I was like, what do you mean by that? What, I, okay, I know it says peace, be still. It's not hard to understand. But he said, no, no, no. Peace, period. Be still. He said, I wouldn't have to tell it twice. What do you mean? Peace was already present. They just couldn't recognize it. Because they had associated peace with calmness. But Jesus understood peace is a manifestation that constantly lives in you. So he took a nap. Peace, I'm addressing peace because the only way the disciples can understand peace is if it manifests in a way that their carnality can recognize it. Peace, storm is completely raging, but Jesus was already in peace, but the disciples' immaturity of not recognizing the history they had with God and viewing the storm through what they already knew about Jesus, they've become consumed with the issue and forgot what they already knew. And out of forgetting what they already knew, they needed peace to manifest in a way that would make them comfortable. But peace was already present. How many of us get in times and we don't have peace? Can I tell you it's not because peace is absent. It's because we don't recognize peace. 
Because what if you begin to understand that you weren't created to go through and come out of fire, you were just created for fire? I love what pastor preached, and it is so phenomenal for where we are right now. And begin to mold your mind. What if you were created for a constant fight? Be really uncomfortable, wouldn't it? Paul said in 1 Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. But it also says in the Bible, the, the battle is the Lord's. Well, that seems contradicting, doesn't it? Fight the good fight of faith. But you know what it is in the kingdom? It's, it's, div, it's the divinity of God in those two statements that we see that you were created for war and never to fight of your own. You can live in war terms, in war atmospheres, in places you were created to actually be provoked to be the change in things that are tough and things that are hard and never have to lift your finger. I'm scared for y'all. Oh, I'm good. I'm so amped right now. I hope y'all catch it. It's going to be really good. Let's keep going. Jesus calms the storm. Okay, then we go on. Demon-possessed, man healed. Legion. Y'all know him as Legion. They get out of the boat. They walk up. This man's been cutting himself. They've tried to bind him. He's too strong. All these bad things. It's crazy. So, Legion, Jesus heals this man, cast him out. Dude is totally reconciled to God. And in a moment, his mind is renewed. It comes back to him. Beautiful. He goes on. On the way to heal from there, he's going to heal a sick girl. Because a guy runs up to him and a little girl's sick. And we know it as he's on his way. He gets prolonged because of a woman with an issue of blood. Walks up, touches the hem of his garment. And touching the hem of his garment, she is radically healed. I want you to remember in everything I'm telling you, the disciples are watching. Woman touches the hem of the garment, radically healed. In doing so, the little girl dies. He goes on, raises her from the dead. Disciples are there. From there, Jesus is rejected at Nazareth. From there, the 12 disciples are sent out. They begin to do the same things that Jesus did. He sent them out two by two. He gave them the power over darkness, sickness, all the bad stuff. They go out, radically heal the sick, deliver the brokenhearted, deliver the uh, demonically oppressed, raise the dead. They do everything. They've seen him do it. Everybody say history. history. From there, they go to feed the 5,000. From there, Jesus walks on water like we just read about. From there, we go on. He heals many. They begin to bring them on pallets. And they begin to come and flock to him just so they can touch his garment. And it doesn't exactly say how many. It just says many were healed. Then it goes on and he begins to deal with the Pharisees. The Pharisees begin to ask him and provoke him, give us a sign. Out of that, he says, you're a perverted generation. You won't get a sign. Then he goes on, woman with the daughter that is possessed, he heals her. Then Jesus goes on to deal a, uh, heals a deaf and a mute man. Then he goes on to feed the 4,000. Everybody say history. Everything I just named to you, the disciples watched. Can I tell you, you have your own personal history with Jesus. If you are living as a born-again believer, you got a history. I don't care if you've never heard the voice of God, if you've ever seen anybody healed, if you are just born again, you got history. You and I, we got history. 
Boy, that's good. Pipes, babe. No, I'm just kidding. So everything we see, the disciples are there, and they see him manifesting the kingdom of God, and they're building this history with them. And I want you to go on, as we've seen in Mark chapter 6, he walks on water. This is the last time we see Jesus walk on the water. It says, for they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke and said, take courage, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with him, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished, for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves. I've seen Jesus do all of this, and I run into this situation, and I didn't gain any insight from everything I know about him. So that begins to show me that my history holds value. But I have an obligation, a requirement by God to extract the teachings of God in my history. Because in everything I encounter, God is teaching me something. But it is my personal responsibility to live with that lens, therefore from out, from then. I talk about it all the time. I like the way Bill Johnson to it. He refers to it as trees in our garden. That every encounter we have with God, a new tree is planted in our garden. We allow those trees to be planted in our garden when I see the goodness of God in my life. I've seen the miracle, new tree. And the next time I need a miracle, I have the opportunity to pull from what I already know to be truth. I refer to it as whales. I love that because I look at it as I get to draw from the things of God or I get to draw from the moment. We see the disciples that had an incredible history with God, just like you. And if you're not careful, you'll become so consumed with what's happening, with what you can see. You will devoid yourself of the knowledge and security that you have in your own history. When we don't live with history in mind, Drawing from the well of moments with God, we will be astonished by what we were called to imitate. All these times, I want you to go back, I can't name them all, between Mark 4 and 8. But the two times we see him in the water instances, walking on water and then being present in the boat with him. Both times after Jesus manifested the kingdom of heaven, they were astonished. But they were called to do the same. If we're not careful and we stop living through our history and become so consumed with what's happening right now that I'll be astonished when breakthrough comes through instead of just manifesting breakthrough. You were called to be just like Jesus. Everything Jesus did, He said, I give unto you. I give you the power to do. But if you're not careful, you'll forget what you know about God being consumed with what I see right now. And then I don't get to be a part of the breakthrough. I've got to get the preacher to come pray for the sickness. Or I've got to call this guy and get him in his presence. But you are like Jesus. A man of God doesn't have to be your source of healing. Jesus is your source of healing. And you are called to do the same. But I want to teach us that if just I, I'm, I'm just like you, that I have to go back and I've got to draw from what I know to be true about God. This last night, Tuesday night, I had to go to the emergency room. I got uh, 
the stomach virus along with another thing growing in my stomach. It was horrible. I was running a fever. I was chattering, teeth chattering. I was miserable. I've been sick for weeks and finally was figuring out what was wrong. And I remember laying in the hospital room when the sickness first started coming. Me and my wife prayed for it and seen no breakthrough. And then I had to go to the ER. Let me give you a little bit more background. At the beginning of the year in September, I went to uh, Africa. But at the beginning of the year is when I decided I was going to go to Africa. And I get so much time off for my job. And out of doing so, it would be just enough to go to Africa. And out of doing so, I said, God, if you're calling me to Africa, I'll give you all my time off. But you got to keep me well because I can't be off. And he made me that promise. And we had that conversation. And I was well all year long. First time ever. I never got sick all year long. Never missed a day of work. I went to Africa. It was incredible. Got back and I got sick two days after I got back and began to fight stuff. Fight stuff. Fight stuff. God did not allow me to get sick. Things began to come up and I forgot my history. We blame God for things that He has nothing to do with. Can I tell you a lot of things just happen because we're just in life. But I was created to be in hell and manifest heaven. I was created to show the world what it means to go through things and still manifest Jesus. So in that moment, I begin to say, well, you were going to keep me well. You promised me. And I shifted from faith in history to complaining. And then therefore, I give away my empowerment that only comes in living in faith that says I cannot be wavered because I know this to be true. And out of being wavered, I left faith and began to be sick. It wasn't that Jesus was putting something on me. He was letting me be empowered by the Holy Spirit and I stepped into a lack of faith because I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember the other 11 months that He kept me perfectly well. One month. I needed one month. I ended up in the ER. Sick as a dog. Couldn't get better. Trying everything to get well. Praying over it and nothing happening. Can I tell you, even when you get to that point, even when you missed it, there's still a, per, a, a place to resurrect it in Jesus. I was laying in that bed in the ER with an IV hooked to my arm, teeth chattering. And in that moment, I was like, man, this is a good opportunity. I may, I've only been in the ER one other time in my life. I may never get this opportunity to praise Him. I'll do that now. And just begin to, out of thankfulness, say, God, I'm sorry I forgot about my history. I'm sorry I didn't gain insight when I seen you grow them legs. I'm sorry I didn't gain insight when I remember when I was a porn-addicted, insecure little boy that was trying to find a place in this world. I'm sorry I forgot about my history with you. I'm sorry that for a moment I would question your nature. I'm sorry. God, forgive me. And right now, I'm going to take this moment with an IV and my teeth chattering and fever climbing to praise you because I know you are good. And I'll live through the lens that you are good. Can I tell you, you've got a history with God. And He wants to constantly manifest the kingdom of heaven out of you. But if you're not careful, you'll be so consumed with what's happening right now. But if we shift our perspective to say, you don't have to take me out of the fire, I was created for it. 
Sometimes, even if we hear good messages like this morning, if we're not careful, we're looking for the out. And what I mean by that is we're not wanting to get out of the process. We want to continue in the process. And we want to get all the good stuff out of the process. But we only live because there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. We don't understand that you can live in light in that. You don't have to look for an eventual quit. So the other day I noticed there was just a bunch of people coming to me, coming to me and my wife, coming to me and my wife in our community that were sick. It was, man, it was just, good Lord, it was a lot. And I was so thankful because I wanted to see God do these amazing things and bless and love these people. But I come home one evening and I was like, man, I've had a tough day. And we had another phone call come in. Had to get on the phone with somebody and pray for them. And it was awesome. God did a miracle. It was incredible. But I remember in that moment just dealing with my own stuff being very consumed with what's happening in my life, that I had a moment where I was like, man, I, I mean, like one evening where all this isn't going on, it's kind of it's getting heavy because it's just a lot of the bad. I mean, where's the worship fest at? Where's people just coming up and money popping up? You know what I mean? Where's the good stuff happening? Where, I feel like I'm, I'm exposed to a lot of bad right now. I'm really exposed to it. And in that moment, I was shifting because I'm created for one thing. To manifest the kingdom. So I should be where the sick people are, where the sinners are, where the darkness is, where the salt needs to be spread. That's where I'm supposed to be. That's where you're created for. We're not created for these little cul-de-sacs in our home that's real comfortable and it's all warm and cozy on the inside. We're created for one purpose. We have to view this life in light of eternity. If not, we'll be so consumed with being comfortable in this little time frame we have that we will miss the opportunity to manifest the kingdom of God. I'm not created to be in a little bubble of comfort where I'm constantly okay, everybody's good, uh, nobody's bothering me, I'm not exposed to the darkness, only in levels that I'm comfortable with. No, no, no. I wasn't created for that. I was created to be where the light is needed. So I shouldn't get this frame of mind that says I'm looking for light at the end of the tunnel. When we shift, all of a sudden we realize now I understand why the disciples could be beaten, martyred, and singing praise because they shifted to not trying to reach something but being present in where they were. Because then all of a sudden you realize you were created for this. And everything this Word says you can have is for this. Joy, peace. The manifestation of the presence of God where you are right now, not for eventual light at the end of the tunnel, but that I can live in fire. I can live in the darkness because I am light. Because I'm created to shift this thing, not be victim to it. Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Out of doing that, he was addressing fear. He was addressing the fear they had in the moment. And he goes on to tell us, because you haven't gained insight from walking with me. You haven't gained insight from what you know about me. Yeah, you got a memory, but you didn't gain anything from it. You seen God pull you out of that, but you didn't gain anything from it. Yeah, you got a good memory, and I'm glad you share it on Facebook once a year when it comes up as a memory. 
But man, you didn't gain anything from it. That's why we have become receivers and not givers. Because he said, freely you've been given, freely you give. If you don't receive from what you are put into, then you cannot give what you didn't extract. We're not extracting anything. We're just becoming, we got portfolios of all these memories, but there's knowledge and wisdom laying in these moments of history with God that were created to empower me to shift the world. I know this to be true about God so I can stand here and manifest the glory. I know this to be true so nurses can see me worship when my teeth are chattering. I know this to be true so when they're cutting my skull open and removing a tumor, I will manifest the goodness of God. And then I can still stand in the hope that Josh spoke about that says he can take it at any time. I believe in faith he'll do it. Fear has room when we have not intentionally filled our spirit with the insight of our history. We're leaving space for fear. We're leaving space. We're leaving these holes open in our minds and our spirit. And Satan's creeping in and robbing you of your own ability to manifest him. He's robbing us of power. So we've become insecure Christians. But when you got a history, when you're convinced, when your conviction flows from the foundation that he talked about, that my foundation is what I know to be true about my Jesus. And that it doesn't matter. Manifest what you want, Satan. This is what I was created for. I forget the scripture where it says, when we overcome fear, it reminds him of his perdition. Is that, that's, yeah, Philippians. That every time you stand in a place and things begin to bombard you and come at you. But your spirit is so full of your history and what you know about God that fear can't even take root. It's just duck, water off a duck's back. Did you know it's like an anthem in hell reminding Satan of his finished work? All of a sudden, now I'm not, this war, I'm not trying to fight Satan off. I am a declaration, an anthem that he is... I almost said not a... Uh, he get on to me for that word. He is. It's over. Thank you so much. But we fill our we fill our minds. He'll be talking about some of the fasts we're going to do this year. So I'm so excited. But we fill our minds with garbage. We fill it with busyness. We fill it with all these things from external inputs. And we have created a mindset that says, I'll fill the empty spaces. But those empty spaces are spaces that Satan can come put lies. And then you buy into them. And you spend weeks, months, hours, moment by moment, confused, anxiety, worry, stress. All these things begin to build up. When if you just were convinced of your history with God and then dwelt on it there is times where I have to intentionally engage my history with God I'm intentional about it you want to know why I see miracles because I'm intentional about it I'm intentional about what I put in my mind I'm intentional about what I let touch my heart I don't always get it right but I live with an intentionality because I don't want to take for granted what I've seen Jesus do We'll sing worship songs and we'll put it on the radio. We ain't really thankful because we take it for granted. He was telling the disciples, "You're my God, I could still be taking a nap if you would just be convinced of your history. <laughs> I want you to look at Mark chapter 8, verse 11 through 21.
This is going to be a good bit of scripture right quick. But there's so much I want to extract out of this. Y'all ain't in a hurry, are you? You okay? Everybody okay? If you get up and leave or got to leave, you will not hurt my feelings at all. I'm not cutting it short. Got too much to give you. Mark chapter 8, verse 11 through 21. It says, the Pharisees came out. The reason I started here, we're really going to deal what happens in a minute with Jesus. But I really want you to pay attention to what's happening with the Pharisees. The Pharisees came out and began to argue with him. Seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread. Everybody said forgot. They forgot to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They begin to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, being aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact you don't have any bread? Everybody say, Why? Why are you questioning? Why are you confused? Why are you worried about this? Do you not see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Everybody say, remember. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, well, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? Seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? Won't you check out what's happening? Pharisees, can I tell you that sons will see miracles, but spectators will not? Pharisees, he's doing signs, wonders, and miracles constantly. But the only time they wanted something from him is when their position began to be encamped on, and then they would reach out and try to provoke him. If they would have just followed him around, they would have seen the very thing they were asking for. You can't have what you're not willing to follow. There's a huge price to pay to follow Jesus. And a lot of times we're standing back asking for signs that you will not receive, that only sons will. Now, I know there's going to be a little confusion because I pray for sinners. I pray for people that are not connected to God. And we see God radically heal them because he's getting them to connection. He's showing them his nature to bring them into relation. But as believers, we can't stand back and provoke and ask for what we're not willing to follow. Then they go on. And I want you to check this out and really stay with me here, okay? I'm going to try my best to explain this the best way I can. So the disciples again get on the boat. And they begin to leave he said, set your affection on things above. Set your mind on things above. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's teaching them this whole way to set their mind on him. What he's doing. What I know to be true. The facts about relationship with Jesus. And then they get on the boat and start to assess 
and turn their focus to what's manifesting naturally. We got one loaf. So when they leave an upward way of thinking and stop living with their history and relationship in their eyesight, when Jesus begins to deal with a spiritual thing, they tie it to a physical manifestation. So if you're not careful, your physical problem or issue will rob you from actually manifesting the kingdom. So I want you to check this out. I want you to think of it like they're on a boat. Because they are. (laughs) But he says, right before he gets on the boat, he's dealing with the Pharisees. Can I tell you, Jesus was madly in love with the Pharisees too? Don't think he hated Pharisees. He hated religion, loved the people, and was constantly wanting them to come see the trueness of him. So he runs into these men that are so consumed with religion and where their position is and what they believe that they can't even follow the real thing. And then they get on a boat. And I can imagine the 12 disciples are over here to the side and they're just complaining about one loaf of bread and they're really consumed with it. And Jesus is just over here. I wish they would understand. I wish the Pharisees could understand. I just, man... You imagine how consumed he was with that encounter. Now he's on the boat. And then out of this encounter, he wants to teach the ones closest to him, the followers, a very key nugget of wisdom and knowledge. And he turns to him out of a heart that is constantly. Jesus is constantly consumed with building his kingdom. That's his goal. That's what he came for. That's why he sets us free. That's why he puts a fire down in our souls and gives us the Holy Spirit. That way we may build the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's about. And he turns to them to teach them something of establishing his kingdom. But because they're so consumed with what's happening right then. What is the physical issue I have going on? What do, what's happening in my family right now? What's going on in my marriage? What's going on with these kids? What's happening at my job? That he's trying to deal with the people that don't know him and they can't even receive knowledge and wisdom because that's what their thought process is. So he's trying to teach them a spiritual truth, but they're tying it to a physical situation. So in our lives, we become consumed with what's happening physically that God is trying to speak into our spirits and we can't get past what's happening right here. So we tie every revelation to our moment. We tie everything to it. Well, everything is tied to this. This, this revelation, that's for that. that. This revelation is for that. No, He's trying to teach us a kingdom secret. Something that will further my relationship with Him. And not only that, but Jesus was worried about the Pharisees. What the disciples were not worried about. And out of their not worrying about the real issue, they tied a spiritual truth to a natural circumstance and missed the whole thing. Holy Spirit, to clarify that if you didn't get it. said, and do you not remember? This is what I will go on to this now. Out of that conversation, they step into this. 
that they are so consumed with a natural need that they are missing entirely what Jesus is wanting to deal with. And you kind of see Jesus getting a little frustrated. If you, if you really pay attention to this, there's a few exclamation points in there. Why do you discuss the fact that you don't have bread? In being consumed with your moment, you overlook your history. We're not extracting the things of God out of our moments, out of our history. Because as soon as we get in another moment, we view it through that right now. And miss the fact that God's still establishing the kingdom. Can I tell you that... I can be in a hospital room running a fever with an IV and manifest the glory of God for the nurse that needs healing. Do you know you can pray for somebody to be healed when you're sick? Maybe that'll bring better clarity to what I'm trying to tell you. We become so consumed with our issues, we forget that there's other people that don't know Him. That's what the issue was of the Pharisees. They didn't know Jesus. They had eye blinders on. They couldn't see who he actually was, but the disciples knew. But they were so consumed with their personal issues, they couldn't show somebody else who he actually was. And stopped viewing their history. You can be sick. You Did you know that you can have trouble in your marriage and pray for somebody else's and it be healed? But if you're not careful, you'll view everything through your personal situation and forget you got history. You actually have connection with the one that's good and can heal a marriage. And right now, me and my wife may not be on the best terms, but I can pray for your marriage and manifest the glory of God and see yours healed. And that doesn't change the fact that he's good, that he didn't heal mine. I'm created to be in a place where I can manifest heaven and hell. I love Jesus. And it's so good. Everybody write this down. Favorite verse. My favorite chapter in the entire Bible. John chapter 14. Verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. I have this this iPad and I got notebooks and I got my phone and I constantly write things down that I hear from God. Little nuggets I get on the job. Because you know why? There's been days I didn't hear. I'm not writing them down because I'm walking down memory lane, skipping and hopping and everything's good and it's all joyful and there's Kool-Aid flowing out of my fountains and my marriage is just right and my friends got it all together. Can I tell you, being friends with Josh is hard. It is hard. It is tough with him. I'm just kidding. But I'm not doing it storing up so that I can just stay happy all the time. I'm doing it when I don't have supporting emotions for my spiritual walk. Can I tell you, when I don't have the emotions to carry me, God didn't leave me? We talk about spirit, uh, emotions and feelings leaving like it's God's presence being absent. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I can tell you one thing I know for sure, that if I ain't got a feeling or an emotion to, to influence or promote anything I got going on in my spirit, man, I don't care because God will not leave me. He will not forsake me. So in other words, if he's with me, then his presence is always available. I will never... 
Go anywhere that the presence of God is not with me. That begins to shift your perspective that I can go in the darkest, hellest place you've ever been and it doesn't affect who I am because this is my reality. <laughs> hellous. Hellous. <laughs> because we've become so dependent on the feelings and emotions that support my spirituality. We're not fully dependent on them. We just need it to, to push it along on the dry days. We just, uh, I mean, like when I, when I can't handle it, I just need it to be there just to catch me just in case. What if God, let me ask you this question. I'm asking my, I've been asking myself this, and I, I, I'm super excited I answered yes, and it was awesome. What if today, right now, you never had another feeling or an emotion that supported your spiritual walk with Jesus. Would you stay there? You never had another one. You never got in another worship service where the hair stood up on your neck. Never. You never had another one. Would you stay obedient? Would you continue to serve? If you can't answer yes, then all of a sudden you realize I'm more dependent on my feelings and emotions than I believed. Because we lose these feelings and emotions that are supporting our spirituality, we forget about our history. You know why I can live without being wavered by my emotions not always being present? Because I want to remember. I don't write that stuff down because I can brag about it or tell somebody about it. It ain't about that. It's about Jesus and His kingdom. I write it down for the days I don't feel nothing. And I write it for the days where my spirit isn't burning up inside. That, that all of a sudden I can feel the Spirit of God or I get the word of knowledge. I'll pray for the sick when I don't have the word of knowledge. Because if we're not careful, I'm dependent on the word of knowledge and I'm not just manifesting the kingdom to somebody who's sick. We're not careful. We're so contingent on things that are helping and aiding. When I got a history, man, I got a memory. Man, I got, I got it wrote down. I keep it in front of me. The other day I had a man of God speak a word into my life in one of the toughest times of my life. It has been one of the driest seasons of my life, and I wasn't viewing my history real well. But he spoke it over me. I've probably lived in that thing a hundred times a day. I'll play it. Talk to somebody, get along, play it again. I'll play it again. I've been taking prophetic words and playing them over my life. Going back and revisiting miracles. Speaking them when I'm praying for the sick and they don't get healed. I don't turn into a fetal position. I revisit my history because I refuse the only wells that will be built in my life are the truth about the nature of God. So I won't allow a well to be built off of failure or disappointment. I refuse. I don't even want them in my neighborhood. I only want wells that are the prosperity of God and the truth of His nature. So when I get in a hard time, I'm only going to have water from one well. And it's that it aligns just right with the Word of God. If I ain't got a well for it, it ought to be in there. Jesus is always unrelenting, not slowing down, extremely consistent and passionate about dealing with the hearts and building the kingdom. If we don't allow our history to shape our perspective, we will become captivated by issues and unaware of Jesus' teaching and speaking. I loved what Pastor said. My, uh, my lack of maturity in the past would have said, I'm right. But I spoke a message in this body a while back that said God is always speaking. 
Let me rephrase that. God is always present. Because I've had days where I didn't hear him speak. Let me tell you this. If you go 72 hours without hearing the voice of God, you may want to go figure something out. Let's say it that way. But when I don't hear him, I don't start thinking, does he not speak anymore? I love what Scott talks about a lot of times. I will check my heart. And I can tell you, I live a life of repentance. That doesn't mean I live a life of sin. Some of us will repent enough to make it to heaven, but never repent enough to actually see heaven on earth. What I mean by that is repentance is renewing your mind, changing the way you think. I have to do it daily. I have to repent daily because I want to live with a mind that is consumed with the things of God. And sometimes that repentance is, God, I know you to be faithful in this area, and I doubted you. Please forgive me. Oh, oh, the first thing that manifested wasn't your nature. God, please forgive me. God, I didn't think correctly about that, what I know to be true about your nature. Please forgive me. Because I don't ever want to become stagnant. I don't ever want to become unrelevant with what the Holy Spirit is doing. When you become consumed with what He's doing right now and you actually fall in love with the Holy Spirit and wanting to be doing what He's doing, not Him doing what you want Him to do, but I want to do what He's doing. When you become consumed, there's going to be days where you need your history. There's going to be days when you need to know this about God. And if you know things about God and right now your life is not aligning with what you know, it's time to repent. It's time to renew the way you think. It's time to change. It's not time to go through a year-long process or six months or all this time. Now is the time. If you know God to be good, there's somebody that needs you to establish the kingdom of God that they may have their breakthrough, that they may come to know Jesus. But you got to stop being consumed with what's happening to you right now. You got Jesus. We got Jesus. I'm not a broken mess because I'm in that mercy room. I got Jesus. But there might be a nurse in here that don't. Let's make sure they know him before I leave. I'm not saying I've got them all right and I get all the days just right and I got it all together, but I'm learning that I can live the rest of my life in fire with no emotion supporting my spiritual walk and I will still manifest the glory of God. But we've associated that anointing and that the presence with feelings and emotions. So when they leave, we believe the presence is absent. So therefore, we don't think we can manifest it. But I cannot tell you, you're a carrier of the presence of God. So when your feelings and emotions are sucked out of it, don't waver. Get your history out. Get your history out. Begin to read it. Speak it. Put your headphones in and begin to declare it. Begin to speak it over your life. Begin to sing it out. I got days where I'll sing them out. I got days where my heart hurts and I'm scared about things, but I refuse to let holes come in my spirit where fear can become a root. I got days where it ain't easy. I got days when it bothered me that they didn't get healed. It got days where it's tough. But my history is more important to me than the failure of the moment. I'm not more spiritually mature. I'm obsessed. I'm not more further along. I don't listen to more preaching. I got a history and I ain't going to let it go. And there, Can I tell you? Because if you're not careful, you'll be like, well, you've seen somebody get healed. Can I tell you in this process I've been, I had like a nine-day span. I couldn't remember a miracle. 
I couldn't even, I would read them and I couldn't even remember them. I couldn't even pull them up in my mind. I couldn't remember anything. It was literally like God had swept them off the board to get me all the way back to my salvation moment. The only thing I could remember was one time when I was in high school and I was sitting in my bedroom weeping because I just wanted to be picked. I just wanted somebody to choose me first. And I remember the day I met God, He picked me. He picked me first. And it's the only thing I could remember. But it was enough. It was enough. It's enough. And it was enough to pray for the little girl that was sick. And it's enough to pray for the back that's hurt. I know I didn't recall all these miracles. I recall that I'm redeemed and I'm saved. And I've got a Savior and He's loving. I don't need anything else. It was like in that moment God got me back to the place that I could relate and say all I've got is my born again moment. And it's enough. God, forgive me. When I get thinking about it, I'm so thankful. It's all I can think about sometimes. Because I have hard days. I have tough days. But Paul said, fight the good fight. I'm not, I'm not, I'm convinced. I know it's going to be a fight. And boy, I'm ready for it. But I can tell you, I make a conscious effort to remember. This thing is not just going to throw itself on you. You want to be strong? You want to see the kingdom? You can see the kingdom, Nathan. Every day you go to work, you can see the sick healed. You can go to funerals and raise the dead. I ain't seen it, but by God, I'm going to. And you can see it. You can see this thing so come to life that you'll never be able to be convinced of anything else. Are you sometimes wishy-washy? Or sometimes is it easy to be convinced of other things? It's tough sometimes. I got rough days too. But I am consciously making an effort to keep God in the front of my vision. And I won't be, I won't be lost in other things anymore. I gotta have it. I gotta, I gotta stay here. I gotta stay rooted. I gotta stay here. Because there's gonna be a little girl I'm gonna bump into that may have cancer one day, and she's got a future. And I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna be ready to manifest what I know to be true. What if you started thinking about somebody else more than you think about yourself? I remember one time me and my wife went to Texas somewhere. I think we went to an Astros game, and we went into Academy parking lot. And me and her were going through a rough time, and we weren't remembering our history very well and I remember we bumped into a little girl that was trying to check out at academy and she lost all her air she was in the middle of chemo and I remember fear put us in our vehicle and we drove away and that I had weeks of not being able to sleep I had to ask God come if you won't let me give it another shot with her just don't ever let me do it again I, I, I can't because there for a moment I forgot he's good and I forgot and fear had a place to come because I had made room and didn't remember. I had made room in my soul for that fear to take a root in a little girl that has a future and a destiny and just needed to run into somebody that looked like Jesus. What if you started living for somebody else? What if your whole life revolved that I may run into somebody that don't know him like I know him? I may run into somebody that don't know the goodness of my God. And I better be ready. Can I tell you there's some days I don't feel ready. But I got a history and I'm ready. I don't have any more emotions. But I'm ready. Because I got a history. 
And if it ain't nothing but your salvation, you got one. And you better put it at the forefront of your mind and remind yourself what you were before Jesus came. And then be reminded that He's a good God and He can do anything. What if we become an entire body? And when somebody's got an attitude, they can't provoke you. They can't prod you. They can't pull you into something you ain't. Because I live with a history. I live with this thing in my mind so strong that you can't take it from me. You can't bash it out of me. You can't rob me of it. You can't have a bad attitude that will take me to a place I'm not anymore. Because it don't exist. I don't have any empty places anymore. It's full of the history I have with my Jesus. You want to come play for me, Scott? I think that's enough. Uh, let me say this one last thing, because somebody in here really needs this. A little while back, the Holy Spirit gave me this, this phrase in my spirit. My decision and action of love towards God does not initiate love. But sometimes it reveals it because we realize we love because he first loved us. You ever have days where you just feel like the love of God just ain't on you? It just ain't present? It just ain't there? Be honest with you. I, I got days where I just don't feel loved. But can I tell you that your action of love. What did he say in the Bible? He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Some days my obedience reveals it. It don't initiate it. So what I mean by that is my action of love doesn't initiate God's love for me because in the action of love, I realize that even when I didn't feel it, if right now I'm loving Him, it's because He first loved me. So His love's actually there. Enlightenment. Were you not enlightened by what you've seen me do? Some days, my action of love, my obedience, literally enlightens me to the love of God. When I can't feel it, and the right song didn't come on, and they didn't play my favorite tune that provokes my love, but I obeyed. There's some days where I'm just obedient. And it reveals that He loves me. And then it creates a heart of worship. Because I always want to be worshiping. I want to make sure this thing's flowing with worship. And some days when I don't feel loved and I don't, the love just don't feel like it's surrounding me that day. And I just don't feel it. It just ain't, I just, I man, I'm hard convinced. I can go read the scripture and my obedience will reveal that man, the only reason I can do this is because he loves me. And then it just overwhelms me. And Revelation 3.33 says, So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore you do not wake up. I will come like a thief and you will not know in what hour I will come to you. Don't be caught off guard by God. Don't be caught off guard by the move of the Spirit. Don't be caught off guard. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. One scripture I would say means the most to me. Remember this. So remember. Remember what you got. Remember what you know about God. Remember. 
Keep it and repent. Sometimes it's just about making a decision. You'd be surprised how many people you meet every day that need the love of God. And we back away from it. We pass it up. Because we think, I don't feel it right now, so he ain't in this moment. If you don't remember anything else, leave this place knowing you got a history and God's presence is with you constantly. You'll never walk out of it. You'll never leave it. If you stay rooted in a relationship with Jesus. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.